All right. Well, here we are again, David. It's another day, a great uh, podcast, I believe, in store for us today. We uh, have made a decision to do some uh, more interviews. Well, I guess uh, that decision was prodded along by our listeners uh, who are enjoying them so much. But uh, here we are, Dave. How are you today? Good. I'm good, Scott. Beautiful day and excited about... uh what we're going to do today and share the, share this time with a new friend. So yeah, let's get into it. When we uh, first started this podcast uh, many, many episodes ago, we got an email from a friend of the podcast who said, hey, we I have somebody that you guys absolutely have to interview. Uh, this was uh, probably around episode, I don't know, seven or eight, and, uh, and, and he's been pretty consistently persistent on recommending that we have this wonderful, wonderful lady that David and I have had the opportunity to get a little bit acquainted with this morning in preparation for this. So ladies and gentlemen, it's my great pleasure. Daph, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself, but uh, this is our friend Daphne, who we're going to have on the podcast today. Say hi, Daphne. Hello, everybody. Daphne, where are you, Daphne? I am in sunny Florida. Yeah, rub it in. It's 24 degrees here in Utah right now, by the way. And and we are at 77. Okay, this this call's over. (laughs) Wow. We talked talked last week about what I got to do for the winter. I know. I need need to go to Florida. Just go to Florida. (laughs) I'm sure that you've got uh, plenty of recommendations. Hey, are there golf courses there, Daphne? Oh, there's just a few of them. Just a few? Every other block. Yeah, just a few. Like churches here in Utah, Uh, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go, David. I need to come out there, Daphne, spend some time this winter. (laughs) You will absolutely have a place to stay if you want to come out and visit. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Thank you. There you go. So, uh, hey, as we've been going through this podcast uh, over the last 30-some-odd weeks now, uh, we've been really focusing on one thing. And and that is the atonement, the power of Jesus Christ that comes through his atonement. We're grateful for that. And we've been able to, according to many uh, emails that we're still receiving, we got several emails just this week, but uh, the emails that we're receiving and so on, we know that uh, there are a lot of us that are really getting a deeper look and a better relationship with uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we do this. And and Daphne is definitely an example of that. Uh, In her life, she has had some challenges. We're going to get into some of those. And she has embraced the atonement of Jesus Christ and the power that comes through that, the power of change, the changing power that is so important in our mortal sojourn here. And so uh, let's just kind of take it away, David. Do you want to... Start yeah, us ab- off. absolutely. Um, Daphne, you uh, grew up a little branch in Michigan. Your parents were converts to the church. I'm trying to recall your story, and you jump in here and correct me, and then I'm going to have you kind of uh, go into more detail. But um, you grew up in Michigan in a small branch, and at the age of 18, you decided to maybe become independent of the church and and uh you know as as many adolescents do they they have to find out for themselves and uh you you kind of struggled and you were married when you were how old uh my first marriage was when i was 27 27 first, so no 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 yeah i met him sorry 
I we got I met him when I was 27. I was 29 when we got married. Okay, so from 18 to 27, you were kind of living a life of what? Um, working and uh, going to school and living with my boyfriend at the time. We, uh, I had a live-in boyfriend. We were uh, together for quite some time and investigating a lot of other lifestyles. Okay. And that was that included checking out different religious types of beliefs such as Wicca and things like that, but just a lot of different lifestyle choices at, at that point. Okay. And, and you, got, you received your education. Uh, you, you were later principal of a charter school. So what, 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 where did you go to school? And uh, tell us a little bit about the role of education in your life. Education was always huge in our family. That was probably the most important thing that was ever pushed. And, and I loved school. I loved education. I loved it. Um, my, I have an associate in marketing a bachelor's in environmental biology. And after, I know, total disconnect there. And then, <laughs> after, <laughs> and, and, and then after um, I got my life back together, I actually went back and I now have my MBA in nonprofit administration as well. Okay. Um, wow. But I, I never really left. I'll be honest. I never really left college. Uh, even through all of that, I kept taking classes here and there and a lot of different subjects. Oh, that, that's awesome. And uh, then you, you were married at the age of 29, and you end up in Arizona. And some things go, some things go bad. You find yourself in uh, an abusive relationship with a husband who's very controlling and... and uh, manipulative and some things go wrong and pretty soon you're you're running from the law right yep there were a lot of steps in between there um but that that sums it up yes well daff if there are some of those steps that might be important for us to know feel free to share those yeah so yeah um moved back uh, you know moved out to arizona for jobs and um, it was also so away from the family and away from any support network I had. Uh, but there was, you know, we were working, and when the arrest came down, it it really felt like alone. Yeah. I was alone at that, and so was in jail for ten months before for being released out on bail. And my parents worked so hard to, to do that for me. Uh, was out on a release of weight, you know, doing different trials, different hearings and things for quite a number of years. And then was things went, got really bad again and ended up um, running from the law in Mexico. Huh. And it, Technically, I had the permission to travel, so that wasn't actually, I didn't actually uh, commit any crime by traveling. It was a failure to appear, and anybody who knows the legal system will understand, you know, the failure to appear. That's the only thing they had, was that I failed to appear for one of my hearings. I did not, and so, but uh, I was 
you know, uh, in Mexico for two years before I was picked back, before we were picked back up and brought back to Arizona to finish out the hearings and trials and then eventually go to prison. So when there's a failure to appear, they typically issue a bench warrant. Is that what, and then they came to Mexico in search of you. Is that right? To extradite you back for your hearing? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So yes, All there right. was a warning. Right. So, so we're, we know that we're not talking about, and we don't have to get into details, but we know we're not talking about shoplifting a Snickers at uh, Walmart. No. They don't, <laughs> no. they don't extradite you from Mexico for something like that and spend all the tax dollars, monies and everything like that that's involved. So that was, uh, there must've been a lot of anxiety and looking over your shoulder and angst and sleepless insomniac nights and, and those types of things. Kind of talk about that. There was, and I'm really glad you brought that up because there was a lot of anxiety. And I happened to stumble across a book. Um, the first residence I had in Mexico, I could see the temple spire from my window. Mexico City and Temple. The Mexico City Temple. And I could see the spire and Angel Moroni from my window. Mm. And I would sit in a chair and literally all night, just stare at that and wondering how I would get to that point. Yeah, what what was going through your mind while you were sitting there staring at Angel Moroni? Um, how did I get here? Yeah. How do I get out of this? Um, what needs to happen? Um, and a lot, a lot of prayer. At this point, I had, I started... When I was back, when we were first arrested, I really had had a lot of longing feelings for going back to church. I had been going back to church kind of before that. We had been going back for a bit, uh, but not very, it, it wasn't a very active spiritually. Sure. It was going through the motions. Yeah. So Daphne, time out for just a second. You say you had this um, desire to go back to church. Was the desire to be in church or was the desire to feel what you felt when you were in church? That, and and that is absolutely correct. That that is absolutely the, the, the right point there is that it really was that piece and sitting in the chapel and, and then and having that peace and then not having that peace when I would get home from church. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and, you say you were, you were raised in the church uh, a little bit or whatever, right? Uh, did yes. you, did, so you went to church growing up, right? Yes. yes. And so that, that longing that we sometimes feel is reminiscent of just some of the other earthly experiences that we have. I know. So David is my uncle Uh, when I would go and he's about seven years older than me, but when I would go to his house, that's my grandma's house. My grandma was the safest person on the planet for me. I have a picture of my grandma holding me as a little baby right there to help me remember that I'm okay. You know, cause when I feel like I'm a little bit messed up, I just look at that picture and remember I'm safe, you know? And, and, and though, and when I would go to my grandma and grandpa's house, when I was struggling, I just longed to sit there and bask in the feeling that I had there. That's kind of what you're explaining about going back to church, right? It is. And they, you know, in the scriptures, they talk about that encircling you in the love of Christ. In the arms of the arms of Christ, arms of mercy. And, and it really is that feeling, that hug feeling, you know, we all as humans love to be hugged, 
And I think that's part of it is that that spirit just felt like a giant warm hug mm. that it was, you know, that, that this could be, you know, and that, that peace that you would get for that moment. And, and you're right. It is. My father was always my, my safe spot, yeah. my, my, just my grounding point. Yeah, and you were looking for that similar feeling when you were going back to church. But when you were sitting in that chair looking out that window at the Temple of Mexico City and the angel Moroni, Moroni, how often did you think, man, I've really messed up and that'll never be part of my future again? Oh, a lot. Yeah. At, at that Despair. Point, I was still, I was, yeah, I was still, I, I did not know if that was ever going to be a part of my life again. Yeah, and so um, we, we sometimes in those situations look to that and long for what we in our minds, uh, in our mortal fallen minds, start to believe, I really blew it and that'll never happen for me. And then we really begin to beat ourselves up and we become a victim of our own abuse. So now we're double victimized, right? Absolutely. Because you feel like, well, this is never going to happen, so why should I even bother trying? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And things with the abusive ex, it was, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm going to be stuck in this situation with him as well, which means that I will never get to where I feel I need to be. Did you ever feel like you deserved that? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes it was just interesting because sometimes not. It's like, I'm better than this. I I can. And then it was other times, well, you brought yourself to this situation, so... You know, you got to, you brought yourself here. You got to suck it up and deal with it. Yeah. Suck it up and deal with it. That's right. So you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, that some, a senior missionary couple in Mexico city working at the temple had some sort of a positive influence on you, Daphne. Do you want to describe that relationship? There were two couples that really took me under their wing and um the one i am pretty sure knew what was going on uh the other didn't but they they didn't the spirit you know the spirit can talk to you and and tell and not just me but tell them they knew what i needed Mm -hmm. and that i'm a very educated as i said i'm a very educationally based person and so I have a tendency to be literal-minded sometimes, and I want facts, I want details, I want to learn. Uh, I, I need to know those types of things. That's what helps me get through and helps me figure things out. Mm-hmm. And so sitting there, listening to them talk about the scriptures and talk about the Savior and how much they loved it. And I didn't have my own parents there. And my parents loved the Savior. Um mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I couldn't even communicate with them. If I had communicated with my family, they would have been arrested. And and so having these other people there that could kind of fill that role, angels, of, angels. Oh, well, they really were. They really were angels. And and helping fill that role of guidance, and and how to connect with the spirit, how to connect with the savior. Hmm. And how to connect with and, and these feelings I was having, and in many instances, I don't think they realized that's what they were doing. Hmm. How but sweet! It was a it was a very much, and and the interesting part is that it was another senior couple that was there. That was the reason that I was picked back up and taken back to Arizona. Hmm. Um, they figured out um, who I was and turned me in to the authorities. 
How did you feel about that? Uh, you know, I, there's a bit that's angry. You know, in the past. Yeah. How did you? Bit, let's let's do it this way. How did you feel about it then, and how do you feel about it now? Right. At that, at the immediate reaction is anger. Yeah. And how could you do that? You don't know me. How can you put me in that? You, you don't know my situation. You don't know what's going on. And and then it didn't take. And I'll be honest, it didn't take too long for me to figure out that that was the blessing. Yeah. That I I needed that because there's no way I could have completed my spiritual journey without finishing this legal journey. Hmm. So and you're legal. Go ahead. I was going to say that legal journey had to be dealt with and over with before I could continue on my spiritual path that I knew I needed to be on. Okay. Thank you. So, Daphne, you're extradited. You go back to Arizona. You spend some six and a half years in, 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 in jail, Arizona, a little bit of time in Michigan even, right? Yeah, a couple. Yeah, six months in Michigan, uh, six years in Arizona. Okay. And then you end up with your sister in Florida, and you're looking for um, a way to get out of an abusive relationship. Tell us what happens then. Well, tell us if anything about the prison experience, six and a half years. Did, did you feel oh, the Savior in every, prison? All of the time. Um it was these are my favorite stories when, when so we oh, had I, yeah so we had Scott Harmon on uh, who uh, episode I don't remember that spent several years in prison we have another one that'll be coming out as well that spent uh, I think 12 years in prison and now we have you and, and these are my favorite stories is hearing about the tender mercies of a loving savior who will go where we are he descended below all things we read about that in Alma right he descended below all, all things so that he could know how to succor us in the flesh here he is succoring you in the flesh because he descended below that. Tell us about that. And, and, and Elder Oaks, President Oaks gave a talk years ago, Daphne, I don't know if you remember it, but he, he reads a letter, this is in general conference, and he reads a letter from an inmate in a, in a prison talking about the Savior walking in the halls of the prison and Elder Oaks bearing testimony of the, of the love of the Savior in our life. Did you feel and that experience? Abs every day, absolutely. Um, there was, there, there's quite a few. There's the first one that that my memory has is I was also because of the nature of my offense, I was um, in, I, I was also in solitary confinement. I, I was in protective custody, and so. Uh, I wasn't at first, and that actually was a, a huge problem uh, because of the threats against me and things to that nature, but I was protected every step of the way. And then I was put into protective custody, and this was a blessing because I actually had access to the TV by myself, and I could choose what I watched. And I had it on BYU channel just about every minute I could. And there was a talk, and you know how they'll do the talks, at least they used to. I'm not sure if they still do, but they would regularly put talks. BYU devotionals. Yep, <clears throat> devotionals, different conference talks. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that. And there was one from Elder Holland when he was the president of BYU. And I think it was 1986. It was um, submitting to the will of the Father in all things. And it 
<clears throat> I I broke down, and I still, when I read that, when I, when I go through and I read it, I still break down. I just, I, it was submitting my will to his was so important because that is part of, in my opinion, part of the repentance process is understanding that <clears throat> we need to change. And one of the things about that particular talk is I could feel Elder Holland's love yeah. for me, for me as a person. Mm. Set, and this is sitting in prison. Sitting in prison. This is a decade or more. This is a couple of decades later. And through time and space. And I could feel his love for me. Mm. And that this message was for me right now. And the spirit was just, he wasn't whispering. He was hollering at me. This is what you need to take to heart right now. This is the, and, and I knew it was going to be a process, but that was the, what you need to know right now. And I immediately called my sister and said, can you get me this talk on paper? Can you find this for me on the internet? And she did. And she sent me a copy. And before every single hearing, I would sit down and read through that talk every, before every hearing. Hmm. And to remind myself, because while, while yes, we have these wonderful spiritual experiences, sometimes they don't last forever. Right. And, and we need to keep bringing them back. And to remind me that the will of the Father was going to be done. And, <clears throat> and that some of this was all through his will. And I would, it would help me have that peace and that calm. The Spirit would then you know, bring that peace and that calm back to me. So that I could get through the hearing, I, I, because of what happened to me in jail as well. There were some. Jail was the first time I, you know, the first ten months were very difficult and led to some PTSD. And I already had anxiety issues, and this led to some full blown PTSD afterwards hmm. um, because of some things that happened to me. And it was. And so that calming effect became even more important and more necessary for me having uh, that the, the spirit just whisper and just keep pushing me that it's okay. We got this. That was an incredible testimony creating and testimony building for me. And there were many, and she, my sister then got into the habit of sending me regular talks of stuff she would find. What was the uh, role of, daily scripture study and prayer while you were in incarcerated? Uh, that, I absolutely, I mean, it wasn't in most of us, we, you know, if we're lucky to get a half hour of daily scripture study and prayer, you know, that's kind of a lucky thing. And my mom used to call it my mission time. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, this was, this was my mission time. Yeah. <laughs> I never served one. So this is what I'm doing now. Hmm. And, and so I was able to, and it was, it was so wonderful to be able to have that time to really study and not just read, but to study and, and ponder as they say. Yeah. And, and to learn. And, and daily prayer. Daily prayer. Yeah. It was not just daily. I think it was hourly. Yeah. Or sometimes more constant, constant. Yeah, there was yeah, there was a lot of constant prayer there. There were and and it's one of those things for me. The 
I don't always feel like there, there are a few big aha crying moments, you know, um, crying out type of moments. There are a couple of, but for me, it was more of a slow buildup mm-hmm. and it was a constant buildup. Mm-hmm. It was a, when we talk about line upon line, precept upon precept, that's really how I felt my journey through this repentance and finding the savior and and really feeling his love for me was this very slow, gradual thing. It's a process, not an event. Absolutely. And there were a couple of times when there were events that spoke to me louder than others. Mm-hmm. But for, I really felt like, as I looked back, that it was this, this wonderful buildup for me. Mm. How about uh, those events that maybe spoke loudly, but some more loudly than others? Do you have one in mind that maybe you could share with us? I, it, it, and it's a little different, but it's, it's one that helps me stay grounded to, you know, what, what the savior, there was an incident in the prison and they were doing a huge shakedown. Uh, every, everything was getting tossed. And there were some of the girls that were having to go through more than others. And I could see it happening out my window. And I don't know, I had this overwhelming sadness and fear come over me. And it wasn't fear for me or sadness for me. It was the women that were going through what they were going through at that time. It was, it was just horrifying for them. And I could feel it, and it hurt physically and emotionally. And, and I've always had a, the sympathy and the empathy, but this was one of those that just, and I was sad, and I remember collapsing on the floor in my cell, crying. These poor women. And I had gotten to know so many of them and their stories and what they had been through. And I'm like, and I remember crying, Lord, why am I feeling this? Why do I have to go through what they're going through? Because I could feel it. And the, and it was such a clear answer that it was so that you understand just a little bit of what I went through for you. Wow. Why does that make you emotional? Because he went through so much for me, and I just, and that, and I remember the word that little bit I went through for you. Mm. Those words were important because it reminds me of how much that it was so much more than we can comprehend, ever comprehend of what he's done for us. Right. Mm. So, Daphne, we talk in in this podcast um, about rock bottoms sometimes. And uh, that sounds like that may have been one of your rock bottoms, you know, is on that floor of the jail cell there and yeah. uh, in prison, rather, and, and having that experience. Um, but we've also talked about, and you just you just articulated this, I think I'll just expand it a little bit, but you just said that while you were there, uh, you felt a, a calm and a peace. Is that right? And uh, because yes. because you knew what he had been through, and the only reason you knew what he had been through is because in that moment, it sounds like you were visiting him at his rock bottom, at the cross. And that is an accurate assessment of it. I, I really, it was such an eye, and it's very personal. It's not something, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever shared that story with anybody mm. um, because it was so personal, but it was very real that this, that to have that glimpse 
little that little glimpse into the Gethsemane. And, you know, we all go through our Gethsemane moments, but his was so much more. Yeah. And, and you know, and to, to know that how much he loved me. You, individually. Through. So you're saying, Daphne, you believe that he loves you individually. He visited you individually in that horrific situation with all the chaos and hellishness that's going on around you. He visited you because of his deep love for you. Exactly. He knows my name. He knows me. He loves me. Our Savior, you know, and, and when I'm teaching gospel doctrine, which is what I do now is my calling at the moment, when I'm teaching gospel doctrine, and that is something that I think that I try to get through to everybody, is he loves you no matter what. He loves you. He knows you. Mm-hmm. You are a child of God. You are our Savior's brother or sister, and how much he loves you and wants you near him. That's because powerful. Because we want our, he wants our his, you know, we want our families nearby us, and we want to have this wonderful relationship with each other. He feels the same way. And he went through Gethsemane for you as an individual and for me as Daphne. Yeah. And and it's a there's a difference, Daphne, between us going through our Gethsemane and getting a glimpse of the real Gethsemane that he went through. Yeah. I mean I mean it's I to really we've talked about on this podcast that to really meet the conditions of repentance, Daphne which we have described, which the Book of Mormon, I believe, describes, is a broken heart and contrite spirit, that what really leads up to that broken heart and contrite spirit is to, by the power of the Spirit, be able to get a glimpse of Christ in Gethsemane and his suffering for us. That Gethsemane, his Gethsemane, and getting a glimpse of that is so much more powerful than to suffer for suffer ourselves and to kind of have our own little Gethsemane moments, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, we go through our own, and but it's very individual. It's, well, I'm suffering because I did something. I'm suffering because of me. When you realize that somebody else suffered because of you. Yeah. Or, or, and not because of you, but for you. And there's, there's, a, there's a very distinct difference between the two. He suffered for us. Amen. And 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 that's a very different thing because we're we're all willing to put ourselves at risk. Yeah. But are we willing to put somebody else at risk yeah. who loves us that much? Well, that's amazing that you got a glimpse of that as you suffered for women watching them suffer. I, I think that's just a powerful story. So after spending uh six and a half years incarcerated in and out. Arizona, a little time in Michigan. You end up in Florida with your sister and describe to us about some of the events that happen in Florida and how you kind of get back into the uh, into the church and and you continue in this process uh, through repentance. Well, in prison, I was very active. We did have an LDS uh, set of missionary prison uh, missionaries that would come in weekly for us. Very active with that. And um, active in in trying to stay up on my readings and things to that nature. I was also writing back and forth with my ex. Uh, we were allowed because we were married. We were allowed to actually write to each other. And as release started getting closer, I was scared. 
not so much scared of getting out. I mean, there's always the fears of homelessness and, and taking care of yourself and finding a job and things like that upon release. I was more scared that I was um, going to be going back into a situation that would not allow me to to go through the repentance process properly, to do what I needed, that I knew I needed to do. And in our letters back and forth, there were threats if I had contacted the bishop and told him what was going on. But I also knew it was what I needed to do. That's what the the Savior is the head of our church, and the church has asked us to do to, to go through this process, and that's what I needed to do. And, and when I got out and immediately went into my bishop, the first day there, made the appointment with my bishop, said, I need to talk. We, we need to talk. And and sat down and, and told him what had happened. And he looked at me, he goes, you know, you could have gone through your whole life, you know, insisting that you were innocent as you have been doing and never said a word and nobody would have questioned you. Mm. Nobody would have said anything. You could have gone the whole time and nobody would have said anything. And in fact, my ex never did go through any type of membership council or any type of, he never did admit to what he had done. Um, but I was like, yeah, but that's not the way it's supposed to happen. I will not, I, I cannot finish my repentance process until I have done what I know is asked of us. And he, uh, so we had, um, uh, called it disciplinary councils at the time. And I, I was ex, you know, my, my, I was excommunicated. My name was taken off the rolls. And he did say, you know, all right, let's, you know, we'll, we'll get you back and, you know, we'll get you back in, in a year, you know, and, and I, I was okay with it. It was interesting. And he told me at the time, he goes, you know, you didn't have, you weren't in doubt. You hadn't been through the temple yet. So we had the choice of whether we were going to do a disfellowship or an excommunication. He goes, but I feel like that you don't forgive yourself easily and that you're going to need this rebaptism process for you personally. Mm-hmm. And at the time, well, you know, I was thinking, well, yeah, I, I do. I, I am hard on myself. I didn't realize just how hard on myself I could be mm-hmm. and how important going through that rebaptism process was going to be and feeling that, that washed clean feeling mm-hmm. and, and losing the Holy Ghost for a while and getting it back. Mm. Um, during my time in prison, as I said, I had this incredible, I developed an incredible relationship with my Savior, but I still didn't feel forgiven. Mm. I, I, you know, I just felt like there wasn't a whole, what could I do? And it is, it is an ongoing process of that, the repentance of, Feeling that that feeling that yes, you really are, and it took a bit, and and I'm really glad that I was removed from the church roles for a while because that enabled me to spend more time thinking about it. I think if I had been left there, I just would have gone on with life as it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, life's just continuing. Now, as you look back on it, and you've been a, you've been a member now, you were rebaptized. How long ago? I was rebaptized in um, 2016. So. Okay, so you've been a member again for six years. 
<clears throat> as you look back on all of those years that you weren't a member, even before you were rebaptized, do you, do you feel like the Lord had forgiven you and you just weren't receiving his forgiveness, or do you feel like it wasn't until you were rebaptized that you were forgiven? As you look back on it, where do you think? What well, I know it is line upon line, precept upon precept. I really love what you said about that, and I believe that too. But at what point do you think that you were forgiven? So, in all seriousness, and I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up uh, it, again. It's there was a time, there were many moments in prison and in jail where I did feel forgiven. That, and there was those those whisperings, and I, sometimes I call them the bricks over the head because sometimes I don't listen to whispers very well. I sometimes need a brick over the head. And Instead of where, the still, small voice, you need the loud, large voice. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and That's there were fair. Yeah, there were absolutely times where I I felt that and even heard, you know, that in my head, it's okay you are, you know, the Savior took this on for you. You are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And, but we beat ourselves up. Satan comes and, in. Satan comes in. Yes. Shames us. Shames us. Tell us we'll never be good enough. Yes, I so totally agree. And and that's really it. It's Satan whispering those doubts yeah. to you that how could he forgive you for that? Really? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was so horrible what you allowed to happen, what you did. And he wants you to identify with your sins instead of identifying with your Savior. One of the things I learned to I music, besides education, music has always been a huge part of our family. And I grew up in a very musical family. You talked about some of the others where music was such a part of their life. It was my, you know, the, the re, that peace part. Yeah, and, power and peace uh, of music. Music is an incredible, powerful tool mm-hmm. that we have. And I would, I really enjoy, I love the hymns. Don't get me wrong, I love the hymns. But I also really enjoy contemporary Christian music. Mm-hmm. So do I. Mercy Me, Casting Crowns, Matthew West, yeah. all of, so we were allowed a little, we were allowed a CD player with a rate that had a radio on it while in prison. And... When I would have those moments, and so there were a couple of different types, I would either those moments of doubts and getting beating myself up, and sometimes also those PTSD moments where I would start to, my brain would start to spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. If I could get my earbuds on and just flip that switch and get the earbuds on, immediate calming. Mm-hmm. Casting crowns east to west. Yeah is one of them that uh, really, and there is Big Daddy Weave does, if you could see what is, uh, I'm trying to remember the title of it, but Big Daddy Weave does one that is um, basically, if you could see yourself the way the, the way God sees yep. you, the way mm. the Savior. Yep. I can't remember the title, but those two, but yeah, East to West by Casting Crowns was a huge one for me. Um how far it is from the east to the west. How and, about Gillis, uh, Give Me Jesus? Yeah. Oh, yes, that one, yes. Do you remember, I, do you know that one? I, I do. <laughs> uh, yep, That's I do one of my go-to. One. And my current one is with Danny Gokey. Hmm. And 
you just haven't seen it yet. Mm. What is it? One more time. You broke up right there. I'm sorry. Danny Gokey is the artist. From American Idol. Oh, was he? I didn't know he was American Idol. I think so. I don't watch it. You you just haven't seen it yet. Hmm. And there's a phrase in there. um, He had the solution before you had the problem. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Sweet. And that has and that just hits home so much Ooh, and it, so sweet know, with with the you know with knowing that you're forgiven he knew he knew that we were human and we were going to have these struggles and yeah. he provided that savior for us and the savior went along and and agreed and sacrificed himself for us yes. and and so music was also a very big part of that in helping me to stay on that that mindset and not letting Satan crawl in my brain. So you did feel forgiven off and on, which I yes. which I believe is is really the case. If people would really be able to identify it, we've taught many times in this uh, in this uh, podcast that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord, is the messenger and the administrator of the atonement of Christ in our life, and that whenever we feel the Spirit, Daphne that we should immediately, our thoughts should go to the atonement of Jesus Christ, and we should know that the atonement of Jesus Christ is working in our life and that we're being forgiven every time we feel the Spirit. Yes. And your your experience is, is confirming all that. But let's go back to Florida for just a minute. By the way, I love your bishop that you had in Florida. He's a good friend <laughs> of mine. We share the same grandchildren. I love him and his family very much, and uh, so grateful that your paths crossed and that he was a, an angel in your life, helping you he really to was. helping you to come back. And uh, so you go through a disciplinary council, you're excommunicated, but you stay active in the church. You divorce your your husband. You get out of an abusive uh, relationship. Uh, you're rebaptized and. Go from there. Talk a little bit about uh, your yeah. rebaptism and coming back into full activity in the church and how the, the Savior was with you then. So the rebaptism, there are so many, and it's one of the things as people are going through this process, as they're going through life in general as well, but especially when you're going through these types of things, look for the little miracles. Look for every small miracle, every small blessing because all of those small ones add up to a giant blessing. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be people and things that happen along the way that only our Savior and the Lord could put there for you. And part of going up to my rebaptism, I we had had to move out I had, had to move out of ward boundaries. And I uh, ended up finding somebody amazing man and getting remarried. And we, uh, he was also inactive and was coming back to activity, also was on probation. And he was, so he was not able to partake of the sacrament and things like that until all of the probation and things to that nature were done. But his, he never had a disciplinary council, did not go through any of that. And we uh, worked together there and it was wonderful doing that together as a couple of Mm. making sure our lives were in tune with what the Lord would want us to do. 
they have what's called early termination for probation here in Florida. And as long as you've done what you're supposed to do, et cetera, at the halfway point, you're able to request early termination. And he was on state mandated treatment. And in order to get your early term, you have to be graduated from the state mandated treatment. And finally, something happened and I was like, that's it. We're putting in your paperwork for early term now, whether you're done or not. And he, we had just moved into the new house and we were looking at getting, we were trying to get all of the paperwork in order for my rebaptism. went up in front of the judge. And even though he hadn't been graduated, the judge looks and says, you're good. You're done. You're off wow. probation. A miracle. An absolute miracle. There's no way it should have happened. I mean, they don't grant that, but they did for him. And three months later, my husband was able to rebaptize me. Oh, wow. He, what a all, gift. He all priesthood authority back to him. Um, he, and then two months later, he received the Melchizedek priesthood, after, two months after I was baptized. So he was able to baptize. He wasn't able to confirm me, but he was able to baptize me. And are you, and, now, are you now endowed? Have you been sealed? One year later, one year after we were, I was baptized, um, we went out to California and were endowed and sealed. His family is all active, hmm. and his so we were. Mine's only partially active, um, but my brother and my mom flew out there to be with me, and all of his family was out there, and all of his siblings, and his mom. His dad had just passed away hmm. a couple of months before our sealing. Well, he was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And my dad had passed away a few years before that. Yeah. And he um, and he was there. They were there. <laughs> and my mom always said, and uh, that's where she feels dad the most is yeah. at the temple. Yeah. Um, but we know we know that the dads were there. Um, and so it was a very special, very tender moment for us to have the whole family together. I'll be honest, going through the temple, I think, was the moment when I finally said, OK, I've made it. Yeah. Well, wow. when I was able to go through those questions for my temple recommend, and that's when it really hit. Yeah. As I'm answering those temple recommend questions, and I'm like, I did it. You know, I'm where I, I'm, I, you know, and I felt, I finally felt that reprieve. It's still, there are still days when I'm like, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'll bet when you're saying, I did it, what you're really meaning is, I'm so glad he did it. Yes, yes. I'm glad you made the Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm so glad you're there to help me with this. Uh, <laughs> because really, it is through the Savior. I, I, and his. there are days when I seriously felt like he was carrying me, you know, holding on to me as I'm walking. Literally, I didn't feel like I could walk through some days. And those days when it's like, do I really have to get up? So people want to know, Daphne, and we've got just a few minutes left in the podcast, so I, I'm going to ask this question, and then we're going to talk about what it's like to have the Savior and what's your relationship with the Savior today and how is it different than it was in the past. But, you know, when we have those experiences, oftentimes uh, the, the adversary will still gain access to our brain. It will still gain oh, yes. access to even our souls, you know, and we learn in the temple that we have, he has power to bruise our heels, right? But we have power yes. to crush his head. But, you know, that it's that bruising of the heels sometimes that can kind of um, 
create more turbulence, if you will, in our in our lives uh, that can that can create uh, more questioning, uh, a separation of sorts, maybe not complete. How do you maintain that today? How does that work today where all of those things are in the forefront of your mind? You know, you went to the temple, which is, you know, the temple is the uh, ultimate symbolism of Jesus Christ on planet Earth, right? That is it. That's that the temple itself and everything that happens in there is in similitude or or speaks deeply to in great symbolism and and even directly to the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ in your life. So how has that made your life different? Will you express your gratitude towards that? Will you express how maybe some examples of how that's working, maybe some um, examples or experiences of where you have felt him the strongest uh, today? Um, You know, a lot of the Come Follow Me program, for starters, is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. I love this program. Uh, and I don't know, I, you know, I was always reading my scriptures daily. Mike and I, it took us a while to, to get into a, a, find a time and to do that. But it was something that we knew reading our scriptures daily and having that couple's prayer time and, and reading time together has been instrumental with that for us in, in keeping that. But, and it's a constant prayer in the heart, uh, Surrounding, and one of the things is the home is also supposed to be a temple for us. Right. And we are, you know, and having those things around us, we're human. We get caught up in our daily life. We get caught up in the day-to-day stuff, and so having those things around us, tokens of the temple and of Christ around you all the time, everywhere. And so having those, whatever you need as a person, for me. I have music, a good quality music going on. I have pictures uh, of the temples and things like that around me to help me. But it's a, and it's a daily strengthening. And, you know, because as soon as we feel like we're good, we, we don't need to have those things around us anymore. As soon as we start thinking that way, then we're going to start going downhill. And as soon as we start thinking we've got it on our own. Yep. We have to have the Savior in our life. We have to have the Lord in our life. There is no other way it's going to happen. And and so making sure we're doing those things and the having all of those things around us that help build us. Well, and it's going to be different for each person. Yes. Uh, and I have a whiteboard uh, at the front of the house, and I change out either different scriptures or quotes. And, uh, and every week or something, I'll change it out. And that's one way I help keep myself focused on something that is uplifting and that is reminding me of the savior and, and how to stay close to the savior. Wow. And, and so, you know, that it's that constant, Oh, I haven't changed that in a week. I need to find something new to focus on. <laughs> and be, be, yeah, I, I, and I'll admit it. I'm ADD. You know, I have to have something new all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that helps. And those, those are some of the things, but for me, it's this daily and keeping it and being that person that other people want to be around hmm. living yeah. your life. And I, I, I heard this quote and I don't know who originally did it. I would love to know who did it so I could give them credit living your life in such a way that those who don't know Christ want to know Christ because they know you. Yeah. How sweet Daphne, and, Daphne, you, 
I mean, can you believe really where you've been and how <laughs> and how far you've come and that it just I mean, a lot of people can make lots of progress in their life. They can be in the lowest low and get to the highest high of whatever they consider to be a high. But Daphne, you know, you you have through the atonement of Jesus Christ not just gone from low low to a high high, but you can tell in your listening to you and your experiences that you have been redeemed, that you have experienced yes. redemption, that you're justified, that you're sanctified, that you have this faith in Christ and that you have his peace, that through him, as President Nelson encouraged us to do, that you, through him, are overcoming the world and that you have entered into his rest. Being able to find that peace through the Savior and through the Holy Ghost, the Spirit was, you know, helping you with that. You're an amazing example of that, Daphne, to all of us. And as we conclude here now, we just have another minute or two. Would you like to share kind of by way of testimony or any concluding thoughts or feelings that you have before we end this episode? And thank you so much for for being with us and for the uh, incredible story that you that you've shared with us and the incredible example that you are for us. Well, I, I and I appreciate you guys so much for what you're doing to, to bring this out there and to highlight it. Um, the, the, the atonement and the Savior's redemption for us. And my message to anybody who's listening would be to never give up. It's um, a friend of mine once said, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Mm. And that she, she wrote that in a letter to me when I was sitting in jail. And I clung to that. And I still cling to that because days are not always perfect. But in the end, it will be okay. And that's because of our Savior, because what, if he, what he's done for us. And, and to just for those who are struggling to find the help they need and to, to remember that the Savior loves them as an individual. If I can tell them nothing else, it's to remember that he is there for them. Thank you so much, Daphne. We're, we're grateful for you, for your life, and uh, for our new friendship. So if I come out to Florida, I'll be calling on you. All right, I'd love to meet you. Thank you, guys. And if you and if you and if you come to Utah, you have lots of friends here. Your bishop lives here now, so you'll have. I know, but he's leaving on a mission soon. So yeah, Yeah, that's right, leaving on a mission. Happens to the best of them. Such a sweet story (laughs) that you shared about because your father passed away, and you said that your father was your safe place, and and uh, sweet Bishop Saucer walking you down the aisle. Uh, I, I think that's such a sweet picture in my mind and grateful that you shared that with me before we began the podcast. Anyway. Thanks for being with us, Daphne. Thank you so much, uh, guys. You, thank you so much for the work you're doing. I appreciate it. You have been a, a great um, inspiration, I know, to many, many, many people today. Those of us, uh, you know, who talk about the Savior and kind of make this our daily work, uh, you know, there's a certain credibility, even though I've been in some pretty rotten places and redemption has, uh, you know, taken me from the depths of insanity and hell to where it is today. Uh, 
it, it's refreshing and it's it's awesome to hear somebody who's gone through what you've gone through to have such a deep and, and we feel it uh, deep love for your Savior Jesus Christ and what He's done for you and and the number of people that you're touching today. I know I know for certain that your gospel doctrine classes are mm. are different. Because of your experiences. Yeah, I'd like to be in that class. I, I know they are. I know that you know the Savior in ways that uh, maybe some people that uh, aren't compelled to know him because of uh, the hard things that you've gone through, you know, and I, we didn't talk about that, whether you were compelled or not, but that's irrelevant. The point is, is you went through things that could be compelling. I have too. And, and I tell you that those experiences really enhance. Uh, you have about Neither 1227, where he's, you've taken in these uh, weaknesses, and you've uh, made them become strong through the uh, blood, through the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's good to have you with us today, Daphne. I hope you feel our love uh, <laughs> as well as our Savior's love, and uh, we look forward to uh, maybe meeting you again, and uh, certainly, uh, folks, if you have questions or comments that you'd like us to pass on to Daphne, please use our email address to do that. He redeems us at gmail.com. All right, everybody, thanks for being with us. And uh, remember, you have been redeemed through his blood. We look forward to being with you again next week and in weeks to follow. Everybody take care now.